0: Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we're going to have a little bit of a rerun, but it's a good rerun. We have Father Scott, uh, trainer, talking about the um, Eucharistic revival coming revival. up. That has already started. When we talked to him, it was just going to be coming up. Um, if you've heard this already, please listen again, because Father Scott has so many great things all the time to say. And I think if you listen to it again, you'll probably come away with something different than you did the first time. And it's always good to be reminded. If we're going to say we uh, never want to listen to something we've already heard, we probably should stop going to mass. Because <laughs> we, oh, we hear those over and over again and we still love them. That's, and they're awesome. that's really so good. that was a really weird beginning. So I'm sorry. Please that stick was... around for the interview because it's still good. It's... First, we're going to start with Dr. Chris Bergwald, who's probably wondering what the heck is going on right now.
1: <laughs> that's one of Renee's taglines. Yes, what is going yes, on? What is happening yes. right now?
0: <laughs> we have some um, biblical bites with Dr. We do. B.
1: And what Sundays is it, Renee? I hope it's the 20th. You You're right. Okay, good. But fun fact, uh, for those uh, folks who, if your parish or a parish you happen to attend um, has a, a, a Sunday night mass, if you go to mass tonight, you very well likely will not possibly, but probably won't, um here are the prayers and readings for the 20th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Oh
0: okay wait so what? this is the what? Sunday night mass not Saturday night Correct. Sunday night
1: Sunday night mass. Okay
0: what why Do you
1: know right? So think about the dates Renee. Do you know what this so Oh. Uh
0: yes um there is a holy day. Is it the Assumption?
1: Yes it is. So okay. Monday this year Monday uh, August 15th is the solemnity of the Assumption. So it falls on Monday this year. So first of all, it's not obligatory this year. It's going to ask. It falls on Monday. Um, I always
0: start to panic a little bit. <laughs> Wait, did I forget one? <laughs> but uh,
1: um, the assumption, when it, if it were to fall, and it falls on Sunday on occasion, obviously, and it it trumps the right. Sundays in ordinary time. Right. So. Uh, and solemnities begin the night before. That's why we go uh, to mass Saturday night for Sunday. Okay. Well, in this case, Sunday evening becomes the 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 vigil mass okay. for the Assumption. Okay. Which we'll celebrate. So, tomorrow.
0: if you wanted to be able to go to mass for the Assumption, you could go to could regular go to- mass like on Saturday or Sunday morning. Yep. And then you could go to mass again Sunday night yep. and hit yep. them all.
1: And either, either and just to be clear here, if you go to mass Sunday night, it could be either. It, it fulfills your Sunday obligation. Right. Because it's on Sunday, even right. though the prayers are for- uh, But
0: then you miss the Sunday mass prayers. So you have true. to
1: go, I, go both. You, go, you can go both. So, <laughs> Everyone's um, going to
0: get right on that, right? I'm sure. And the other thing I want to do,
1: I need to mention something. Last night I focused, uh, last night, last week I focused on the collect and how yeah. we dare to call God our Father, mm-hmm. dare to say, you know what I meant? And I said, but I hope I remember that. I dared to. I focused on the daring too. Did you forget? No. We say every sun, every mass, the priest says, we We dare dare to say say every single Sunday, right before the, our father. Like, so I'm like, which shows you how much I, (laughs) Dr. of Theology, who's always talking about the words of mass and paying attention. I think it's because it's the whole, like, you're standing up from kneeling thing. The the priest starts to say, so you're not getting ready to pray the, our father. And he says that every time.
0: He does. Every time.
1: All right. So, in the couple of minutes we have left, uh, I do want to focus on. Oh,
0: by the way, Casey's here too. Hi, Casey. Hello.
1: Casey's yeah, here. We haven't mic even brought him time. in yet. Yeah, Good grief. He, he's, he's probably <laughs> thankful for that.
0: Yes. Um,
1: the, 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 I'm going to focus on the first reading for the, the 20th Sunday in Ordinary Time Mass Readings, year C. First reading comes from Jeremiah. So, just a little bit about Jeremiah. Um, Jeremiah was a prophet in Judea. Uh, in the, the the years leading up to, and then a little bit after, the fall of Jerusalem. Okay. Okay, so this is centuries after King David, when the Israelites basically has been a, a, in a sense a civil war, or a split at least. Oh, right. A yeah, secession. There's a secession. Okay. Um, the northern kingdom splits from the southern kingdom. So you've got, uh, before it was all Israel. Now, the northern ten tribes are called Israel, and the southern two tribes are called Judah. Okay. And Jeremiah is a prophet in Judah, and he is treated horribly. We get a, in, in the first ring at Mass, um, he's dropped into a cistern and he's left there. And somebody, uh, he's going to starve yep. in there. Yep. So they draw him out. But this is the, the, the thing I want, and, and then traditions. So. He's the one who, when the Babylonians, who uh, were the ascending power in the Middle East, they're the ones who would conquer the Assyrians, the previous power, and then they're the ones, the Babylonians are the ones who would ultimately conquer uh, the Holy Land. Right. And Jeremiah is warning, hey, if we don't change our ways, bad stuff's gonna happen. Oh no, the Lord said that that, that Jerusalem will always stand. Is it? Like, no, it's not. You're being unfaithful. It's not gonna work out that way. Oh yes, it was. Shut up. You're stupid. We hate you. <laughs> And he was right, and he that's what right. happened. He called for repentance; the people rejected him, and 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 he he's the one who hid the ark of the covenant. Tradition says he died in exile. Jeremiah.
0: That sounds kind of similar to you today a little Amen. bit. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Doctor B. You bet. In the studio with me today is one of my favorite priests in the whole diocese, Father Scott Trainer, is here. Hi, Renee. Great <laughs> to be with you. Notice I did not say my favorite.
2: One of my favorites.
0: One of my favorites.
2: Yeah, well, my fa- I only paid my... you five bucks to say it, so. Maybe.
0: <laughs> See, that's where all the others have gone wrong. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> uh, Father Scott has come in to talk to us about the National Eucharistic Revival, <gasps> woohoo! Which is actually going to be starting in a from the time this airs a, a week mm-hmm. on Corpus Christi right. Sunday.
2: Uh, which is the 19th of June Yes. kickoff is the national kickoff for this three year process of the national Eucharistic revival yeah. that our conference of bishops has put together for our, yeah. our nation.
0: So we want, I want to be able to tell everybody about this because, and we're running this a week before so that they have some time mm-hmm. to prepare because I think it's important. We actually prepare for stuff. Mm-hmm. So will you tell us how did this thing come about And why are we doing this? Sure. Uh,
2: So maybe we can start off with, like, what is it? Yes.
0: Well, yes. What is it? So
2: so the bishops of the United States, uh, people might remember from a few years ago, there was a Pew Research study of a poll of uh, self-identified Catholics Mm -hmm. and presenting to them basically, do you understand what the church teaches or do you believe what the church teaches about the Eucharist? In which we believe that uh, when the bread and wine are consecrated at the Mass, Mm -hmm. right, through the ministry of a priest— The bread and wine, no longer bread and wine, but become Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So they're basically polling uh, Catholics about their belief or understanding of that, and it was
0: we didn't do very well. We didn't
2: do great. It was not. (laughs) It was not. No, not five stars on the fridge. No, okay. No. So the bishops, of course, were. I don't think that was super surprising, but it was. So we've
0: seen indications of this coming, kind of, for a little while. Yeah. Really.
2: And. You know, I think one of the main indications is uh, the number of Catholics who don't regularly attend Sunday Mass. So if you only have 30% regular Mass attendance among self-identified Catholics, Mm -hmm. clearly people are losing touch with the reality and power of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. Right, 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 for sure. So this is, of course, of concern to our bishops. And instead of just sort of fretting—this is what I love about (laughs) this whole thing— instead of just sort of fretting about it and wringing their hands Mm -hmm. like, oh my my goodness, what are we doing— the bishops are like, there's got to be an opportunity here. What can we do? Right. And in the conversations through the leadership of Bishop Barron uh, in the evangelization committee and then his successor, Bishop Drew Cousins, our neighboring bishop up mm-hmm. in Kixton now, um, they hatched this plan for a national Eucharistic revival. Mm-hmm. So a three-year period of intense effort uh, across the church in every diocese, every parish, every Catholic organization, Mm -hmm. things Knights of Columbus and Catholic Nothing is going to be
0: left untouched, I don't think. Catholic (laughs) universities, right,
2: like to mobilize the the structure of the church in the United States to really bring about a revival of people's uh, knowledge and experience of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. Mm -hmm. So I just love, and it's a substantial effort as we'll get more into in our conversation today, Uh, but just to see that the bishops are together in this and saying, yes, this is a great pastoral response to this present reality that this survey has brought
0: to me. Right, right. So what is the goal? And, and I kind of want to ask, too, besides what is the goal?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, is the goal the same as what maybe your greatest hope is for what happens with this revival?
2: Yes. Okay. So let me just share with you the way they've described the mission and vision. The okay, yes. have described yes. the mission and vision yes. of the Eucharistic Revival. And is this my greatest hope? Absolutely. So, listen to this. So, the mission is to renew the church by enkindling a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. That's why I'm a priest. That's what I want for every human being on the face of the earth, right? Thanks be to God. And to bring a little more flesh to that, the vision is uh, not just an event, not just a thing to do three years, but in the course of this three years to kickstart a movement of Catholics across the United States healed, converted, formed, and unified by an encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist and sent out in mission for the life of the world. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Yes. More of that, please. Yes. That's
0: that's how it should have been happening all along, but we've gotten kind of lazy. So, (laughs) Okay. So this, to me, this sounds- a
2: beautiful vision for what's happening. So the idea is, first of all, that- with, uh, the renewal of the church is going to come through a repeated or a deepening encounter with Jesus, mm-hmm. the Lord Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. And that when we encounter him, we are in fact healed, converted, formed and unified uh, through our encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist. And that is the foundation of our ability to give as a gift, to fill out the great commission of the church, right. to give us a gift, the gift that we've received in our Catholic faith.
0: Right. So those four things that you mentioned there, mm-hmm. those, those are very specific And do they kind of have uh, like hopes for each one of those or or a a path for each one of those Mm -hmm. things to be able to accomplish them? Yeah.
2: So Bishop Cousins, who's Mm -hmm. in charge of this whole Mm -hmm. movement on behalf of the bishops Mm -hmm. of the United States, uh, when he's talking about the revival, he says, yeah, Um, (laughs) he says, uh, we're not uh, implementing a program. We're starting a fire. Right. And I want arsonists everywhere. Arsonists.
0: That is awesome. <laughs> I, I want
2: arsonists everywhere for the fire of this Eucharistic revival. So mm-hmm. the the bishops are providing this vision mm-hmm. and uh, a a pivoting uh sorry to say kind of a culminating moment in the summer of 2024 yes. in yep. the National Eucharistic Congress, which we'll touch on in a second. Mm-hmm. And uh but then they're just asking every diocese, every parish, every Catholic University, every Catholic movement think, you know, the Augustine Institute and Focus. Right. And, yep. In uh, Dow and all the great apostates that we have mm-hmm. uh, across the country. To say the uh, Knights of Columbus, how can you guys step up to? uh, do good things Mm -hmm. in the service of this vision. Right. So there isn't like a set program like, Oh, okay. Okay. In this category, we're going to do these three things. Right. They're really calling the church in its different local levels, like a diocese and a parish or Mm -hmm. a family to respond to this vision, which by the way, for the diocese of Sioux Falls is very, uh, resonant with the way that we're approaching building lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship Mm -hmm. through God's love. Mm We're happy to provide events at a diocesan level that can't be effectively done at a parish level. Right. But what we're really doing is asking parishes and groups in parishes to hear this vision, pray about it, and respond to it in their local circumstances.
0: Right. So, are they are the parishes left alone to just figure this out by themselves? Uh, I imagine not. <laughs> no,
2: not left alone. Because
0: I feel like that might be a problem if they are. <laughs>
2: So it's the task of the diocese Mm -hmm. to kind of encourage parishes to respond. So the Discipleship and Evangelization Office uh, is heading up a steering committee Mm -hmm. um, of interested lay people to really suggest and encourage parishes. to. So the the structure we'll adopt in our diocese. We have a diocesan steering committee. We're going to ask at each deanery level, which are different uh, collections of parishes in our diocese, Mm -hmm to appoint a priest and a group of lay people oh, okay. uh, that can be kind of regional leadership. Yep. And then every parish together with their pastor to have a couple parishioners who are helping the pastor to respond as well. Oh, sure. So we think that through that structure, what the, what the bishops are offering is a tremendous collection of resources. So mm-hmm. whether it's uh, Bible studies that are put together by the Augustine Institute or Uh, through Augustine Institute's foreign platform, Mm -hmm. a number of resources are going to be collected for this that anyone can make use of in their local circumstances. Uh, The Knights of Columbus are mobilizing to help with Eucharistic processions and Mm -hmm. knowing how to do that really Mm -hmm. well, and other people like doing what they do, but at the service of this whole revival in our our country. So parishes aren't going to be left to their own, but they're going to be asked to make a uh, a local response.
0: And a contribution uh, to their – yeah. Which
2: brings us maybe a little bit to the structure of how the revival is being set up. So uh, the first two years, the first year, which kicks off uh, June 19th, 2022, Mm -hmm. uh, on the Feast of Corpus Christi, uh, that's when people are probably going to start to hear a lot about the Eucharistic revival. Mm -hmm. That launches the year of the diocese. So uh, each diocese is asked to do diocesan level or regionally within the diocese events that help uh, advance the vision of the revival. And after that first year, to really, especially in that time, to prepare parishes for year two, Mm -hmm. which is uh, that parishes will make an effort in their local area, in the area that's covered or cared for by the parish, uh, to, again, to promote these encounters with Jesus where we're healed, converted, formed, and unified Mm -hmm. by encountering Jesus in the gift of the Holy
0: Eucharist. Mm -hmm. So the hope ultimately is that, not that we're going to retake a survey, but that people will understand And embrace the uh, the teaching that that is really Jesus and the Eucharist.
2: Uh, That's part of it. Part of it to understand. That's the beginning, (laughs) right? To understand what we believe for sure. That's uh, really important. But more important is the encounter with the person of Jesus Mm -hmm. in the Blessed Sacrament, Mm -hmm. and also in a response in that encounter. How am I empowered by what I receive from Jesus in my personal encounter with Him? For mission in the world, right? How do I live uh, missionary discipleship in my local circumstances, fueled and inspired by my communion with right. Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament?
0: So that's how this revival will help us live out the diocesan vision that the bishop gave us. Absolutely, it, I, yeah.
2: I, I can't. I can't tell you how excited I am today. <laughs> <Renee>, of
0: <laughs> I can just see it. It's written the, all over you right now. <laughs> <is. I> <laughs> if you're not watching this on that. video, you really should see it. It's quite animated.
2: <laughs> uh, I just see in, in the, again the context of our diocese an amazing. Uh, chain of God's providence, right? right? So uh, a little over two years ago, mm-hmm. maybe two and a half years ago now, we got uh, a new bishop, yep. Donald DeGruy, Yep, And he was inspired by God for this vision for our diocese to build a culture of lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship through God's love, right? right. So we launching in that effort, making mm-hmm. that vision known and helping people just take first steps and responding to it. And that will be a project of decades, no right. doubt. Right, right. Um, then this great book came out from Christendom to apostolic yeah. mission, just sort of dropped the fall after mm-hmm. a few months oh, after that perfect. vision was rolled out. <laughs> right. And that book really framed, why is this vision building a culture of missionary discipleship? Why is that so important? Mm-hmm. It ans- It gives you the history of where we're at as a culture of why we can't just do business as usual. Right. We're, we're no longer in a Christendom age. We're in an apostolic age. And that cause calls for a new response to a new real situation that we're in that totally corresponds to Bishop's vision. So it kind of gave the background of why promote the effort of responding to this vision is important. Then out of nowhere, Pope Francis called for uh, the Synod on Synodality. Have important questions in your local diocese and parishes Mm -hmm. about what we're doing and why. Mm -hmm. Well, that was perfectly timed for what we're trying to launch in our diocese. And now the Eucharistic Revival. (laughs) Where in the world... Uh, are people on an individual and as a community basis, uh, like a family of families in the parish, going to encounter Jesus and mm-hmm. be healed and converted and formed and unified in order to more fruitfully impact the culture around us, right. to sh- start shaping the right. culture around us instead of just being shaped by it? And so the the amazing sequence and timing of those things, which none of us planned. <laughs> it
0: seems all random, and it kind of was, but yeah. It's God works in really weird ways, doesn't he? <laughs> problems, yeah.
2: Uh, I just wanted to go back to the parish response where so they yeah. left their, on their own. So if you're listening to this, just know in the next the next 12 months are all about preparing your parish. How oh, can good. your parish participate in this effort? And the efforts of the diocese in this first year is to really uh, collect resources and uh, offer uh, experiences and training and communications that will help parishes be yeah. successful in your
0: Lay the foundation yeah. for that. Yeah, good. Uh, if you're just joining us, joining us, we're talking to Father Scott Trainer about the National Eucharistic Revival, which will be starting in about a week on June 19th. Um, <clears throat> okay, so if we really—okay, we should really believe that this is really Jesus, the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. So I imagine we shouldn't just trot on a church, go through the line, get the Eucharist, and then go on back to our lives. How should we really be living if this is what we really believe?
2: Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Bishop Robert Barron, who's going to be our new neighboring bishop yeah. in Arizona sometime yeah. in, what, July? I think yes. he's getting installed. Um, he talks about three paths of holiness, mm-hmm. and the first one is finding the center. Okay. And what he means is to understand who God is in the reality of my life, okay. that God created me. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He calls me to intimate and unceasing union with himself, and though I have separated myself from him because of sin, mm-hmm. he, has, he so loved me that he gave Jesus his only son. That uh, for the forgiveness of our sins and opening for us to the gates of eternal life, mm-hmm. and that calls for a personal response. So right. if I really get who Jesus is as God and Savior, my mm-hmm. Redeemer, mm-hmm. Uh, we you know the Catholic faith is a salvation faith. There's right. a need for salvation, and we have a Savior who is Jesus Christ, who is God, and was born of the Virgin Mary, mm-hmm. right? And uh, because he is who he is, that makes all the difference of my life. So that right. when Bishop Barron talks about this path of holiness of finding the center, this is what he means. Okay. If I know who Jesus is and what he's done for me, mm-hmm. um, and I take that seriously, everything else in my life is impacted and influenced by that. There's nothing like, oh, here's my faith and here's the rest of my life. Right, Who right. God is in reality in my life and how I've experienced him makes all the difference in all the other things mm-hmm. in my life. It yep. brings a holy ordering to what do I do on the weekends Mm -hmm. and who do I hang out with and what books do I I spend my time? Yeah. Yeah. And what choices do I make or not make? Right. (laughs) Right. All those things are influenced because God is who he is. And I've been transformed by his redemptive saving love. Mm -hmm. So the blessed sacrament is the sacrament of that redemptive love. The whole saving action of Christ is made present and effective for us at every mass. So to answer your great Mm -hmm. question, uh, what should be different if I take, uh, And I should say this, what should we do? I just take a little, like faith is a gift. Right. To know that what appears to be bread and wine is in fact Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. To know that his whole saving power is made present and effective for me. So think of Jesus. What do we see in his public ministry? We see the wisdom of his teaching, Mm -hmm. right, that draws so many people. We see um, his power to heal, Mm -hmm the blind and the lame and uh, the leprous and everyone else, right? Uh, We see his power to forgive sins, and we Mm -hmm. see his power over evil as he casts out demons, Mm -hmm. right? We see all of that, and then we see the totality of his love as he freely lays down his life for us on Mm -hmm. the cross. All these things we see in Jesus, and all of that— is made present and effective, like fruitful, impactful for our lives today mm-hmm. at every mass, mm-hmm. right? Right. To know that is a gift of faith. Okay. It's not something that we should just should do. Like I can just make a choice, right. like, oh, I wasn't doing this, now I should do this. Okay. Like it's not just a, a, a matter of will. Okay. Right. Uh, but it's when I'm when in faith I know this reality, my life is transformed. Okay. Okay. And so, so what does e- that transform life look like? Yeah. Where are some hallmarks of that? Well, number one, that when I come to mass, uh, I'm coming with a heart full of desire. Okay. What are all the needs I need for salvation in my life today? What do I need for healing? Where is conversion needed in my life? Where do I need to be set free from evil in my life? Where do I know, need to know truth in mm-hmm. place of lies? Mm-hmm. What do I need to know what to do instead of what not to do? That mm-hmm. Like, that's actually going to work out for me instead of whatever idea I've come up with that isn't working <laughs> right, out so well. Right. You know? <laughs> Uh, where do I need that wisdom? Where do I need that healing? Where do I need that conversion? Where do I need that liberation from evil? Uh, I should be walking into Mass if I am alive in faith in the Eucharist with that heart full of uh, expectation and desire. Mm-hmm. I come here with these needs, Lord, and I know you are here to meet those needs. Right. right, right. I should come to Mass with a desire as the source and summit of my faith. This is the place of greatest intimacy with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I actually receive communion with him. Uh, one of the great um, – oh, I'm trying to remember the context of this. Uh, one of the great verbs that's associated um, with receiving the Holy Eucharist mm-hmm. is kata matabala. I know. It <laughs> was in St. Uh, Irenaeus – I'm sorry. The Apology of St. – oh, is it uh, – I, I wish I could on. help you. I know. I know you did. St. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the – the apology of St. Justin Martyr. There okay, we go. Okay. So he lived in 100. He was martyred in 162. Yes. He was a pagan. He was converted to Christianity when he was 32. He had studied all these schools of philosophy, mm-hmm. but he found the answers to life's big questions in the gospel yep. of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and eventually he gave his life for right, Jesus. Right? right. And he describes, because he wrote letters to the Roman emperor and the Roman Senate mm-hmm. about what do we do on Sundays? What is this worship of these Christians to try to explain it to him that our faith is rational, what I know by faith, it goes beyond reason, but it's not contrary to reason right. ever. Okay? Right. And so he was trying to explain this in his great philosophical learning to the Roman emperor. And like, hey, stop killing the Christians. <laughs> like, we're not doing We'd weird really things. really appreciate that. <laughs> right. This is a great help. Yeah. And he says, when we eat the body and blood of Christ, it's not just bread and wine. It's the body and blood of Jesus. That's mm-hmm. what we believe. And we kata metabolon, the Eucharist, right? Okay. Meaning, well, that's where we get the word metabolism. Oh, yeah, okay. Right? And kata metabolon means to be metabolized by. So every other food that I eat, I make into me. You know, Mm -hmm. my cheeseburger becomes Mm -hmm. something in me, right? You are what
0: you eat, right? (laughs) You are are what you eat,
2: except in the case of the Holy Eucharist. In the case of the Holy Eucharist, I am metabolized into Christ. Oh. I made a member of him and a partaker of his life. Okay. That's what's happened at the Holy Eucharist, right? I don't
0: think I've ever heard it that way. (laughs) Thank you. St. (laughs) Justin Martyr in
2: 152 was writing that to uh, the Roman Emperor's and Senate. It's really, really beautiful. Uh, you can find actually find that in yeah. the, the catechism on uh, the section on the Holy Eucharist. Oh, Anyways, sure. So to know, like, my, if I really believe what the church believes, and I have that gift of faith, and we should all pray every day, Lord, I believe, mm-hmm. help my belief. Lord, I believe, strengthen my faith mm-hmm. right, in these great mysteries and uh, that's a lot better than shooting ourselves, right? Yes, I agree, I like, My should of, was I, terrible. I get guilty, but then I am <laughs> a loser. Because so then we end up with like New Year's resolutions, right? Yes. But God, bless me with the gift of faith. We were all given faith in baptism, but that's a gift that can be blessed, right? and I want to ask for the blessing of that increase of faith. So in that transformed life, Mass is the great adventure where I receive the deepest intimacy and communion with Jesus, a one flesh union with him, where I'm actually incorporated into him. I'm metabolized into Christ's sacred body, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Everything that's going on in my life that I offer on the altar can be made holy by Mm -hmm. the outpouring of the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit that reveals Jesus to me and unites me to him. Uh, So, and in being nourished by Christ in his body, blood, soul, and divinity, all his saving grace poured out for me present, effective, impactful for me at every mass as I receive Holy Communion. Uh, I am equipped for my mission in the world because mm-hmm. apart from him, I can do nothing. So I need to be in communion with him yeah. to do anything that's fruitful. Where can I receive that communion? At the mass. Yes. So that's just scratching the surface, Renee. <laughs> just, you asked a little question.
0: I, was, I had I a big say, answer. I I knew that the 20 minutes was going to go fast with you and it did. It yeah. always does, but it's always so, so great. So Can you tell us just a little bit quick about the culmination of the revival? You mentioned it at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So this whole three-year process, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, First year is uh, starting this Corpus Christi, the year of the diocese. Mm -hmm. Next year, Corpus Christi will be the year of the parish. And then in the summer of 2024, July 17th to 21st, Mm -hmm. in Indianapolis, they're going to have a National Eucharistic uh, Congress. We have not had a National Eucharistic Congress in the United States and since 1976. Wow. In 1976, who sta- uh, shared the stage at that National Eucharistic revival? JP2. JP2 JP and Mother <laughs> Teresa. Oh,
0: wow. St. Okay. John Paul II, Pope
2: John Paul II, the future Pope John yep. Paul II, Carol Waitiwa was there as Cardinal Waitiwa and Mother Teresa. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be a world youth day scaled event right. in uh, in Indianapolis. And anyone
0: and everyone can and should come one, should Come all, Go. Yes. It's I going used to be an amazing
2: <laughs> amazing moment of faith in the diocese, in the uh, church in the United States. Yeah. And the point of that is as this revival is gaining momentum at diocesan and parish levels over these 2 years. Mm-hmm that this great pilgrimage to come together as the church in the United States at this National Eucharistic Revival will be a moment of commissioning of people right. who really feel called by God to be Eucharistic missionaries in their daily lives. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. So it's going to be catechetical. It's going to be a celebration of the Eucharist. Uh, it's going to, like World Youth Day is, mm-hmm. uh, an amazing gathering of the faithful. That's tremendously encouraging. But specifically with Im- the prayers for empowerment to uh, so that people can – Be intentional about being missionaries of the Holy Eucharist in their daily lives. It sounds great. great.
0: Yeah, it sounds great. Um, And uh, watch for more information about uh, the Eucharistic revival in the September issue of the Bishop's Bulletin. We'll have uh, several stories about it so you can learn more. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Renee. All right. uh, That is it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic views.